Yeah, what up? So I'm just now leaving the library. And it made me think when I was just about to leave. I was in the biography section. What came to my mind? Because I started getting tired. I've been there for a couple hours now. You know what happens with me. I got to be in a calm enough state to read. But it doesn't take long before I get restless, you know. A part of me wants to sit in there all day. <laughs> and I got a week off coming up. And if I could, I'd sit in there for the bulk every day like it's a job, a full shift. And just get hours in at a time. Which isn't realistic. Because I wear out, you know. But I just thought for a second, man, if I could consume everything that's sitting in these aisles, just over time, you know. Doesn't have to be in one sitting, of course. Because just reading a little at a time gives you a lot to think about. As I say, you expound on it when you leave and incorporate it back into life. But it does point to something. That was pointed out to me. For people who act like they don't know why they had trouble becoming successful. And they had these ideas in their mind that if they were to come across thousands of dollars or millions, you know, people love the lottery. That they would invest in the business and all that. It's cliche. It's something they say without really knowing what they talk about. Or knowing what they would do. However, with all those books in there. I've rarely come across anyone who has keen knowledge. And game when it comes to, let's just say in this case, starting a business. Maintaining a business, sustaining all involved with any project, really. It makes me think of something I said before to this kid who wanted to figure out how to market his music. I spoke on this on this podcast before. He had been inactive for X amount of years, and I simply told him. You know, I know you're talking grand and you want to do these gigantic things and you're running on emotion right now, but it'll wear off. So the best thing you could do is do something that you can sustain over a long period of time. That's it. It doesn't sound exciting because the prospect of getting up every day and working is boring and I notice people around me, they want a quick fix. A one hit a quitter. That's why in our genre of music we make, hip-hop, rap, that's part of why people want to have altercations with other artists. See, part of it, obviously, is because 
you've been conditioned by the system to be silly. You've been placed in an environment where you've been conditioned to concentrate on the wrong things. You've been conditioned to go up against the man next to you who looks like you. Think about it. What other genre of music do you hear? F that in. I'll kill that in. You know what I mean? N word this, N word that. Which is fine. I use it. You can listen to my material and you hear it a lot. But you don't hear country songs and hear a guy like, okay, kill the white guy. You don't hear rock songs and they're like, kill the white guy. That's not how they talk. But you hear rap racking this, oh, I'm shining on these niggas. You understand? I'll bust that nigga head. Like, you're not even thinking about how you've been conditioned to speak and think. It's natural. It's innate. So that's one reason, of course, why our genre of music is so combative like that. And the crabs in the barrel. You try to bring down a man who's getting his shine on. That's obviously that. But the other part is because... You don't want to do the work. In your mind, you're thinking, if I go at the top dog, I can supplant him. I can get his shine. If they think of him this way, he's regarded as this. It already burns you up, by the way, that he's getting attention from the opposite sex. And he has the admiration and the attention that you desire. When you think money and you talk money, the truth is the reason why you want it cooked so fast is not only because you're lazy... But because you have a craving for attention. You didn't get it coming up. You're not looked at on a tall enough level in your mind. Because you don't live through what you've actually accomplished. You tend to think potential is an accomplishment. It's not. It's a nice ability to be able to accomplish. But potential without the action doesn't garner anything for you. But like I said, I know we compete in our genre because we want to supplant who's ever up top. If they look at him this way and I take enough shots at him, I can become that guy. You already have the vitriol because he's you. You're not just jealous, you're envious. Jealousy where he has something you want, he gets the attention you want, but envious where you want to be him, you want to supplant him. They can't give you enough things to make you feel like him. Because even if you were to acquire items, your main thing is to show him, I got them. Look, I got these like he got them. I got That's how and why a lot of um, people from my environment, right? When they get successful, we'll just say bloggers or um, people who make videos on the internet. Where they speak their mind or they have commentary, they talk about politics, they talk about race, relationships, anything. From my environment, you have a couple people who get tall enough in name and eventually they'll start going head up with each other. It's because we have a self-destructive quality in us. A guy used to tell me that people are afraid of success because it comes with so much responsibility And being that you're already silly, 
You don't put your effort into scaling up anymore. It scares you. You're fearful of scaling up because you have to take on more things. When you develop that capacity to take on more and you understand where you are and what you've done, you look down, see how high you rose, but know your self-esteem isn't intact. So you're not supposed to be that high. So you're more fearful about falling down and trepidatious about stepping up and climbing. So you start looking sideways and bumping heads with guys who are standing next to you. This is how we think. But like I was saying, a large portion of you, a large portion of you does not want to do the work. So although I just left the library with all the resources on deck, it shows you how to do whatever you want to do. It shows you people who've done it written books about it. I'm going to encapsulate my 40 or 70 years of existence in this book. Put the highlights in it. Even make myself sound better than I actually am to accentuate the point I'm making. And I'm going to package it up and put it in one book and hand it to you. Put it on the shelves for you to buy. For you to read, in this case, for free. And you can't even do that. You won't even do that. So how bad do you really want it? You know, and it's so easy now. This podcast I'm doing, I'm doing it on my phone. They've got an app called Anchor. I just press record and start talking. When I'm done, I press stop, give it a title, done. Everything is so easy now. Any words you don't understand, you don't know, you can look it up just like that. So that means all the information can be interpreted or translated into something you can understand. Everything you read, everything you come across. So the intel is here. The resources are here. I go back to the hip-hop and rap. I know guys who have a studio and will sit right in front of the equipment and the recording booth and freestyle a rhyme outside of it. You would say, why waste the energy when you got the recording equipment right there? You could take seven steps and be right there recording what you're doing and have some type of monetary gain behind it. But the laziness of some guys I know, they don't even want to write nothing down because it's work. You have to write it down. So they'll buy all the equipment Hook it up, boom, and freestyle in front of the booth. Or guys who record but don't want to learn how to mix and master. Or guys who got video cameras but don't want to learn how to edit. So they'll have a backlog of material that they're never putting out because A, they're not going to pay for somebody else to do it. And B, they'll clog up their own material and push because they don't feel like learning how to do it. It can't be any easier for you. You talk on this phone for all these hours out of the day, press record, and give us something valuable. Do you have anything valuable? Where are you getting it from? But all those books I see in the library just remind me of so much. You're seeing things about other countries. Information I don't even care about, but it bothers me that I can't know it. Or won't get it quick enough. Physics. I don't know anything about physics. 
in school. That's one of the classes where I didn't pay attention. I used to have these lab partners. And we'd be in class. And some days, if we were doing a lab, one of the smart kids would pick me to be in that group. I don't know why. Maybe they just wanted to look out and help me pass. I'm pretty sure that's the bulk of it. And they would do the lab, do the formulas, and I would turn around, be talking, not paying attention like I do. And then they tap me by the end of the class and hand me their paper for me to copy the answers. That's how physics went. Which they should have never had me in anyway. I was failing algebra too. I didn't care about it. So I understand there is that. Like a lot of stuff you don't care about. I get it. But do understand you're always going to hit a wall of resistance when it comes to anything you do. See, people have this misconception that there's some type of escape. They think, I don't love my nine to five. So, whatever. I go get my money and leave. I don't care about doing a sloppy job. I just want to get in and get out. And I'm like, well, you know everything you do, that thing you think you love and you think you would do, you know it's work, right? I mean, all of it's work. They're like, you know, it's different when you do something you love, though. You know, it's different. It wouldn't feel like work. I'm like, oh, yeah, it will. (laughs) It will. See, people who say that, who actually do it, are people who are into the process. They've made a decision that they're going to do it. So they push through the wall of not feeling like it every day. Because their desire to get it done is stronger. But if your desire is to sit down and not do anything and get off work and sit down, put in eight hours plus for the man and then put in none for you on an average basis, then yeah, you're going to push through a wall of resistance every time you get up. So starting it is going to be the most difficult thing you could do. Oftentimes. Now there are times when you get a battery in your back because you get motivated and you know we working hashtag you know you'll get motivated and put it back down again because you're looking for a reason to quit you'll find a reason to quit but as i say those people think if they were doing something they love it would be different but no that's false that's why you do it when you feel like it now you go do something you like doing like painting okay you'll paint for one weekend like man i I wish I can get paid to paint. It'd be so much easier and better. I, I mean, I can really... Nah, but when I'm expressing myself, I really get into that. It's something I love. I could do that all day. No, you wouldn't. That's why you do it when you feel like now. Because when you don't feel like it, you know what it is? Work. Trust me. I basically reached my 10,000 hours of practice writing songs... Give or take. They say it takes about 10,000 hours. Or I guess that's roughly 10 years. Or something along those lines. They put it in mastery. Right? You do it on a consistent basis. You're basically reaching mastery at that stage. That phase. That time frame. But. It's easy. Yeah. But I have to go about different ways of writing. The process has to switch up for me. I started off just slaving over a pen and pad, and which I'll do if somebody books a studio session and needs me to do a verse, I'll do it that way. You only got a couple hours. I got to write it down and, you know, do it that way. But how I do it for myself, I don't put that type of strain on myself. Number one, I got a catalog. So I can actually get up and be like, yeah, I don't feel like doing it today. Because 
my default is to be doing it every day. So if I take a break, that's like taking a break. It's cool. I can sit one project to the side because I got about 40 other projects on deck. Most I started, some of them are just ideas right now, but yeah, it doesn't matter. That's why when I run into guys now who act funny style, which you will encounter, you know, that's why it's difficult to build a team and they get in their emotions and don't want to record me or whatever, you know, whatever it is. In their mind, they think they're competing with me. Then in those cases, I can set that project down, though. I don't have to put out another song. I don't have to put out one more song ever in the history of Earth. My catalog is on deck already. I'm freeze already. That's the part you're missing. So, but I don't like to sit over the pen and pad like that. How I do it now, man, because I'm ahead as far as having material, and I have material now that needs to be mixed, mastered. You know, that's technical talk. The levels need to be um, set proper on it so it'll, it'll sound good. Now, a consumer may not hear it necessarily. But as far as like industry heads and people who record, you basically understand the difference. You want it to sound pristine as you can, you know. But when I get a, a few beats that I want to use, usually it's not out of need. It's rare that they're time sensitive, basically. So I buy something because it sounds good and the price is right. You know, I'm like, yeah, I rock with it. Let me get it. I don't know what I use it for. Or it's a style of beat. I don't know what I'm going to put on it because it's the same type of thing I normally tackle. But I like it. So I'm going to push myself artistically and see what I come up with, you know. That's how I do it. And I'll get a series of beats that I like and I'll ride around the car with them, go on road trips, whatever. And I'll take a break from listening to some game pieces or some music and I'll put it in and let it loop for however long. Let a little chorus or a bridge come to me. Put it in my phone, write it down somewhere, whatever. There you go. Basic skeleton. So I go in the studio whenever, then I record that little piece, hear how it sound, then maybe do the verses later. Got some extra time in the session, then I add a little bit of it while I'm sitting right there, you know. Nothing major. So I don't like to sit at a pen and pad all day. Why? Because it's work. So that's another thing. If you sit around and do stuff when you feel like it, when you finally get motivated, you're fighting so hard to get done with somebody who does it consistently. It's already miles past. So you're fighting and fighting, fighting. It's not working. Get frustrated. Set it down again. Lose that ground. And you get a battery in your back again. You motivate it. You push as hard to get halfway there again and stop again. And slide back down to the bottom of the hill. So the number one thing going off topic basically. But staying on slightly. You have not made a decision to do this thing you say you love. Until you make a decision. Until you give it 40 hours a week on a consistent basis. You get up when you don't feel like it. Brick by brick by brick. Advance the ball, I always say. There's some projects where I sit around and I bluff. There are projects like that, which is the importance of having a planner. Because that way, you can say, okay, I done pushed this off for two weeks now. I see it in the planner and I hardly touched it. That's a way to keep yourself accountable and some type of structure. 
because you know some things are time sensitive. You like to have this done in the next few years, so I'll add a little piece here, piece there. But if I don't keep that planner, then I'll duck that project for a minute. And I know I'm ducking in the back of my mind. But I'll add things to it to advance the ball. And that way I can rationalize in my mind that I am doing something. Say, for instance, I haven't started writing the script yet or the movie I'm going to do. Came up with the idea, but I did rent the place that I'm going to record it in. I'm going to set up the soundproof booth for me to do some audio recording. But also I'm going to start bringing in the furniture to set up the set of how I want it to look. So piece by piece by piece. I know I'm advancing the ball. That's fine. I'm kind of stalling on that project. I'm kind of bluffing on it some. Like, I'll get to it whenever. But I can do that. You know, it's a difference. If you're starting off and looking for your way, you don't have the foundation to play around like that. It doesn't mean you work all day and nothing else and strictly this. Because when you run on extremes like that, you're going to burn out. You're going to get tired of it. And you'll quit. Not just personal experience, but I see that all around me. All the time. But minimum. You people who like to talk about what you would invest in. You don't know the first thing to invest in. You don't know anything about investing most of the time. You know about the Walmart. You know about the Target. But you don't know about all the not Walmarts and the not Targets. The stores that were supposed to be big. That had a grand vision. The hundreds of them. The thousands of them that came and went. You think it's that simple. Like, okay, I'm going to make a store and I can put all the items in it like a 7-Eleven. And boom. But you're not 7-Eleven. People don't know you like 7-Eleven. So, you're seeing success all day. Not from a winner's perspective. Like, I see a good look there. Good look. It's not like you got the gratitude and you got the humble to see all the positive winning things around you. What I mean is you're seeing things that are already winning and have the misconception that when you start something, it's going to start off like that. Now, you could luck up somehow. You can run into the correct people who give you a look and put you on. But from the ground up, bottom to the top, no. There's a small likelihood of you becoming one of those businesses. You got gym equipment and think, okay, I'll be the next 25 fitness. I'll start all small, but I'll get there. Yeah, that's nice. And it's good that you're naive like that so you get started. You take your lumps and maybe you can make your way because it is possible, you know. But truth is, no, it don't work that way. You're not just going to get some items, throw them in a store and boom, I'm 7-Eleven. No. A lot of the successful entrepreneurs will tell you they lost money on their company. Or maybe they're more successful businesses for years. But maybe they were able to sustain it because they had name recognition. People, people wanted to be involved with the name. Or they had other business ventures that went smoothly so they could pitch away that money every year that wasn't coming back. On the, we'll put in quotes, failing business. The one you didn't know that was successful until it became successful. It didn't exist until it became successful to you. For you to think that you can just roll out of bed and I'm going to start a business. The first place you need to be is in a library somewhere. Exactly where I left. I understood the power in there. If I could extract 
what was in those books <laughs> without reading them. Not because I don't want to read, because I want it faster. I would love to do it, but I can't. So guess what? The frustration for me isn't that I have to read them. The frustration is that I can't read them fast enough. I'm kind of multitasking. I already had an audio book playing in my head uh, off the computer with the Robert Greene Laws of Human Nature. So I had that. I had to pause it and rewind it because I kind of was paying attention. Kind of was looking stuff on the net. So, Although you will not retain everything you read and I make it a point to not try to. Some things I know in my mind I'll go through them Go through them in repetition. I understand I'm going to read or listen to a Robert Greene book several times. I understand that. So if I have an audio book playing, I'm out in the street or at work. Yeah, I'll get some of it, some of it I won't. That's fine. The point is to surround yourself, to be immersed in that game. That's the point of it. That's the hour before and after work thing I talk about. That's my first task for somebody who acts like they don't have enough time or who wants to free themselves from being entrenched with a domineering partner. That's it. An hour for you, before work, after work. Something you like doing that you think has nothing to do with production and then something productive. An hour before, hour after. That's why I stopped at the coffee shop. Why? Real simple, real quick, like I said before. Doing what you want to do excites you and pumps your state so you have a certain type of spirit. Therefore, you're raising the bar and setting the bar. So whatever you come across throughout the day, it does not make you feel that this level does not bring you this much excitement. Something you do not wish to engage in that alters your mood from what you would like to be in. It's not up to speed and up to par for you to deal with. Boom. You set the bar for your day. So you can measure everything you encounter throughout your day to that. Does it measure up? Yes, I'll 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 deal with it. I'll take it on. No, I won't touch it. The productive thing is not only to get things done, but doing something productive is also so you set a bar for what's important. What I did earlier, set the bar at this level of importance. So whatever I come across throughout my day, if it does not reach there, if it's not that important, it's not something I must deal with, then it's not important enough for me to deal with. This will start to establish some type of self-esteem for you. Why? Because now you're making your schedule revolve around you. And if it does not make you feel good, you don't touch it. If it does not add value to you because you're valuable and that time is yours, then it's not yours to touch. You'll start to take on a stance like, ah, that's not good enough, I ain't touching it. Ah, that ain't good enough, I ain't touching it. I hear you out, but okay, that's not my conversation. You don't see me as important as I see me, that's not my conversation. See, that ain't free. I could tell somebody to think that way, and people view me as thinking that way, and they have some type of thoughts about me. Because you see me and I don't seem timid or shy to you in that instance, I come across as being, oh, he thinks he's like that. Oh, he thinks, oh, uh, that's perception. But you'll think the same way. That ain't free. It's not, it's not, it's not. 
So when you go out on the street and you deal with people of the opposite sex, and you want to know why your dating options are not intact, you want to know why your relationship has reverse order, is because you don't think this way. You argue with your woman because you don't know your value. The way you're supposed to think is she's either cooperating or she's getting somewhere. You understand? I love the things I like about you. Meaning I'll deal with you for the things I'm into. And then you got boyfriends for the other stuff. You need somebody to feel like you're important. And you want them to feel like you're important. And I feel this type of way today. So... How well can I affect his mood? That's how women, not necessarily how they think, but how they are naturally. They don't deem themselves as important enough or you don't care enough if their mood can't alter your mood. So you got boyfriends to do that with. They're back and forth. What's wrong, honey? What's wrong, honey? What's wrong, honey? And then he's unproductive because he's playing around with some broad. You got boyfriends for that. So men, you'll start to take on this mentality and it works both ways. Women... You'll seek proper leadership because if a man does not have a tall enough order, a tall enough vision that reaches where your mentality is, he's not yours to deal with. You could deal with him physically or whatever else, but he's not tall leadership. Know that going in. Do not let your emotions supersede common sense. This is your common sense bar you're setting because you know your weakness. As I do, you're led by your emotions, by your feelings. So this sets a bar for you going in. So despite how you feel when you get there, you know what you told yourself beforehand. All right? I mean, that's some solid game. I gave you about a lifetime of material right there. And I ain't been talking for what? What is this? Thirty minutes, a half hour. By the time you watch the sitcom, laughed a couple times, you done got a whole earful, man. What I got when you get back some more of it already. But that's the point of that. And you do it when you get off work. Why? Because it realigns you. I say work because the guy I dealt with in particular, this is how I was telling him to do it. He has the problem of getting off work, and his wife know when he get off work. And I don't really had an hour because my wife needed me to get home. When I get home, I can't get it because I say, take the hour when you get off. Don't tell her when you're getting off. When you talk to her in the car, whatever, she asks when you're getting home, when you're getting home, what time you're getting off work and all that. Are you off? What time are you going to be in? Are you going to cook? Are you going to take out the trash? Whatever? When you're coming, I'll let you know when I'm on my way. And see, this will be... You acting brand new to her because you've been dominated to the point where she doesn't count your money, knows your time, know where you're supposed to be. She doesn't smack you all around and now the order's all flip-flop. So this is the first step in you gaining back your power for yourself. Not even in relation to anyone else. Put your pants back on. You understand? I'll let you know when I'm on my way. And to her, she's like, huh? <laughs> Who are you talking to? That's how she's going to be thinking, right? And she's going to be like, what you mean? Or, huh? Or what? All right, Audi. Boom, hang up. 
That's it. Now, you're scared about what's going to happen when you get home. Because you don't let her bully you to the point where this is unacceptable now. You fear what's going to happen when you get home. Like when you hang around married guys and you out and you be chilling. And he keep looking at his watch and pacing. You know. Like, oh, you got to go home, don't you? And, and, you know, man, I don't know. I just, you know, I'm getting tired. Nah, you ain't getting tired. You know, she's going to check you at the door. If she hasn't already been all up in your phone, texting where you at, bring this, do that. To keep tabs on you. So you're fearful of what's going to happen when you go home. And that's why this guy wouldn't do it. But doing it after work realigns you. Because we all fall off course throughout our day. We all need that realignment. Which is also the reason why you hang around thorough players, men. Thorough leadership, ladies. And thorough leadership, men. To realign you. And check you when you're becoming a lesser version of yourself, let's just say. And for men, when you start acting feminine, soft, you start engaging and indulging in nonsense conversations, you need a realignment. And this is where you do it for yourself. And also, on that topic, men, you're going to have to cut out not necessarily non-productive people. But regular people with their regular conversations and you want to be exceptional, you can't drench yourself in that. You can't absorb yourself in that feminine energy. The gossip, the counting people money, and think you're going to admit something fly. That ain't how it works. You understand? You can't eat candy bars all week and think you're going to have the nutrition that a tomato would have brought you all week. It don't work that way. You can't absorb fem energy all week, hanging around your, your mama them, your auntie them, absorbing all that fem energy. Girl, and you know, and cut on loving hip-hop and the late, latest gossip show, the, the latest, latest uh, what, Pelican show, whatever you watch on TV with a bird's gossiping. Oh, girl, man, if I, I would, if I had all that money, I would. that's no conversation for a man or a man who's proclaiming to become a leader. No. No. And I know men like that. They'll have... Little explosions here and there. And all I tell them, all I'm thinking is my mind, keep it masculine, dog. But it's his fault and it's not. He doesn't realize it, but because you hang around the type of people that put that in your ear, to not check you to let you know, no, stop it. Because they'll start a conversation like, man, I mean, not to count his money, but stop. Then don't then. Man, I ain't trying to be all in one. Then don't be. I mean, I mean, I ain't telling, but then don't. Keep it trill. Because you're going to get that around me. You're going to get that all day. And you having a realignment session in the second part of your day is to do that for yourself. Personal accountability. And if people around you don't check you on that, they're a threat to what you want to become. What you should want to become. If you're around men, men, and you gossip, you find yourself being a spectator, showing up somewhere, 
You huddling up like you on the block. Talking about people that walk past. Sweating the bras that walk past. Hating on the dudes or observing the dudes that's walking past with the women. and Got something to say. Something slick. Oh, look at him. He think he... Ah, oh, look at him. He think he doing it with that. He got a little so-and-so. Like, you're not supposed to be feminized like that. If dudes around you don't tell you, no, what are you doing? Then that's your enemy. They don't know it. They're not trying to destroy you, but they are destroying you. They're making it commonplace for you to think that's your role. You need to seek taller leadership. Because I guarantee, you hang around me, you're not going to get an earful of that. You just not. I mean, for spitting some game or getting some game. You get around me, you're going to get an airful of it, dog. You're going to get nothing but some game here. That's all. A guy told me, man, I just want to talk to you like you're my friend. Why all the time you talk to me like you're teaching me something? I said this plenty of times. I said, dog, because I'm teaching you something every time. Because I know I don't have a conversation before this. I'm going to have a conversation after this. And it's going to sound nothing like this. And I'll hop on one last thing, the building thing, the misconception of building men, women as well. There's this term we use called building. You hear guys say it a lot. They'll sit around and congregate about it, whatever, you know, they'll talk about what they got going on. And let's just say, okay, they're speaking on a business venture or some type of move they're going to make. And they'll sit around and talk, exchange information, say things they think that sound smart, that's validating to them because they seek validation. And we sit around and phone conversations happens a lot. I talk to guys for hours and know I'm wasting the conversation. I know I'm wasting hours. All I'm really doing is refreshing it for myself in many cases. Because you sit around and because you exchange information... With a like-minded person to an extent People consider this building That's what they term it as They deem it as building They'll get out of that conversation Start another one And because it wasn't a gossip Conversation necessarily Because it wasn't about the ball game It was something that sounded productive About a productive topic They consider it building But no I'll tell you why If me and you were to sit around a toolbox and point out every tool in the toolbox, that's a so-and-so wrench. That's this type of screwdriver. That screwdriver was crafted in so-and-so and and -and so-and-so and and first made out of so-and-so and and -and so-and-so for the reason of so-and-so and so-and-so. Like, yeah, I feel you. And then also, did you know, and that wrench and that hammer, what I'm going to do, I'm going to take that ham and I'm going to smack it on that wall, put it on that nail, and I'm going to put that door right there. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Man, I'm motivated now. All right, I'll holler at you. All right, bro. You're going to hang up. Click. And what you going to say when you talk to somebody else? Man, I was building with so-and-so and so early. No, you weren't. You didn't build because the tools weren't used to build anything. So you talk about what you could do, what you about to do, what you might do, what you have the ability to do. It's not building. The tools sat in the toolbox. They were there for a show. My man. 
So you talk about your ability, which you're going to do, which you're going to start doing, how you're motivated is not an accomplishment. Potential is not an accomplishment. Right? So essentially, one of the worst habits I have that I'm finally getting myself out of because I have friends I talk to and naturally I like to make it a productive conversation I have to actively make it a clown, comical sport ridden conversation because I'm not going to gossip okay there's that and then I'm not going to talk so serious that I'm talking production and then I know you're going to get up from this conversation as soon as I turn my back you're going to be brainwashed by whatever you've already been brainwashed by. I can't reverse habit in, in one sitting. So you're you at that point. So I'm not going to talk productive. I've pulled myself out of it. Giving you a task. Or an idea of what you could do. And then know you're not going to do it. I gathered that over the years. Like I tell somebody I put a nice step in front of them. Because it seems like people don't have the vision to see a lot of things. Where would you get it from? You don't take in the intel. Right? You don't value the intel. A lot of what we do is because we want attention. Because we want a quick buck. Right? So a lot of what you do is because of that. So you're not valuing the intel. So when I talk to you and give you some intel and give you some vision, which... I'm to assume people around me, even if they have it, even if they are a few people who are sharp and have vision. Okay, I can give vision to a guy who got vision because I can let him know my vision, my perspective of it. So it's beneficial either way. So I set something in front of you. Boom, I assume you don't see that. This is what you could do. You could do that. You could do that. You do that. And I kind of stopped doing the could do. And I start giving you an actual task mid-conversation if I'm dragging to a quote-unquote building conversation. I give you a task at the end of it. Do that, do that. You have the, and I, I check, you have the ability, right? I, I give them personal accountability. You have the ability to do that. You would do that if you have the energy. Well, good. Well, you could do this. That, that, that. I leave the conversation with a task for you. That way, next time we speak, you know... And I know that you didn't do it. See, before it was like, if I put it in the realm of we have the ability to, we could, it makes sense to. Then you're like, yeah, I feel you, man. I feel you. I feel you. Because you don't want to take action because you're ducking responsibility. In your mind, I'm not talking to you. So I do all this in general. And in the end, I give you the task because we both acknowledge Throughout the duration of this conversation That we both could It's a good look It makes sense So if I give you something That makes sense That's a good look for you And people in general Are going to take the look And you're agreeing Yeah you're right You're right Boom Do this Do that Do that Do that Huh That way next time we speak I already pretty much know You're not going to do it But now this is for you Inside As much as you like the duck not taking action and a responsibility. We both know why things aren't working for you. Because I said a step in front of you, I said a task in front of you that you already acknowledge is a good look, but you're not going to take the step. 
So you know that within yourself. So you know not to get around me anymore. People are really keeping an eye on what they say when they talk to me. If it's guys I talk to, they know not to come around me and act like it's hard for them. I used to get that. Man, it's so hard, man. We should have X amount of money where we just travel wherever and don't even bring luggage. We can buy when we get there. Man, by now we should have X amount of thousands stacked up in the bank, man. It shouldn't, it should, it should, it should, it should hundred million miles an hour, right? So I took a lot of the dream and hope and wish out of the conversation. Boom. This is why it's not happening. This ain't all of it, but this will send you in the correct direction. And by you taking the action, now it starts to chip away at the the guy who ducks responsibility. So you start to snatch all that blame away. You as the able-bodied man, able-bodied woman. Free, able body. It starts to take away all the. This ain't happening because it takes all that away. Like, I didn't do it. That's it. That's it. I lose friends like that. But it's nothing. I don't have a problem with it because it would be negligent of me to be around you to see you ducking that wreck and don't say nothing. I know better because there were people I looked up to that I patterned myself after when I was coming up. Not that I had some grand plan, but because it was just who I followed. I was into. I wanted to be like. And there are points. There were points where they dropped the ball. They saw I had a pissy attitude and didn't check me on it. They saw me throwing away opportunity and didn't set me straight, right? I needed that realignment that I didn't have the ability to give myself at the time. I was, I was receptive to a degree. Now, I was hard-headed, you know, but part of me was receptive to good game at the time. I didn't realize it then. But a few things throughout the time I was growing up stuck with me. When I got some good game, typically it landed and it stayed. I wasn't in a position to apply it yet. But I was receptive to it. It landed. I knew I was getting something, even if I didn't know what it was necessarily or what I was going to do with it. So I wasn't in position. I didn't have the ability. I wasn't there yet to be able to stop myself from sabotaging. But the problem was the people I looked up to... They didn't have the game to check me on it. In fact, they had some disdain that I was emulating them because they knew I was emulating them. So things I did reminded them of their faults. And because they were emotional and couldn't check themselves, they couldn't guide me right. It was more disdain to sit me down and put me up. So I won't do that. You cannot like me, dog. That's fine. But I know, and you know, that's within yourself. I'm not going to let you sit around and play victim. I'm not. Everything is not under our control. But you, able-bodied, free man, free woman, it is. The bulk. Circumstances happen that you don't have control of. Absolutely, you know. But I find it funny 
that when you're competing, when you're having an ego fest, you're as smart as me at your convenience. I knew that already. Man, I already knew that. I don't have to read it. I know that already. Is there a shorter version of that video? Why is it hours something? They don't got a, a recap or a review of it. Is there a shorter version of that book? Man, I ain't read. I hand dudes books. So you as smart as me at your convenience. But now you don't get what I'm saying. Now I don't know what I'm talking about when it pertains to you. So the main thing I do before all of that at a foundation is I'm the older male figure. Or some, some of my guys' cases, I'm the younger male figure that you did not have, that you will never have to get your masculinity on. That's what I represent. Each, every, 100% of the men I hang around right now. So you think game is just leading women. No, 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 no. True game is being a leader of men. Every man around me, that's what I set out to do. Every one of them. I have my fleeting moments where I'm all over the place and you don't see me punk out plenty of times. Right? So we all got that. But ultimately, that's what I do. I'm the male leadership masculinity that you need, that you need to follow. That's what I represent. So that's going to take precedent rather than you liking me. It doesn't matter. We're on good terms. You know I'll look out for you. That's good enough. I'm not going to act like I don't see the opportunity around you because you refuse to. Because we all know once you acknowledge opportunities around you, now you got to take the action. There's two reasons people don't take action on a good look for them. Has been said to me, as I've said plenty of times. You're fearful? Or you feel you don't deserve it? It always boils back down to self-esteem. God told me, I disagree with that. And I pointed to somebody else. I said, what I tell you when people say they disagree? What does it mean? How should you hear it? I disagree with means I do not want to accept dot, dot, dot. Because why would you stand in front of the game and tell me what you don't agree with? After I gave you 45 minutes of heat, you found a percent you don't agree with? How about extract the things that make sense to you? But all that tells me is that you were triggered by that one thing. It always boils down to self-esteem. Why? This particular guy, He's one of the guys, and not just him, in general. I could do it. I could do it. And I'm going to start going to the gym, and I'm going to do X, X, Y, Z. Once I start going to the gym, when I do this, when I do that, I'm going to do this. If I were right all day, I could make a record like that. Anybody can make that record. I could, I could, I could. But you didn't. I could be an astronaut, but I didn't. Why don't you take the action? Because you don't feel you're important enough or because you're fearful. The responsibility that comes with it. The expectation. You can sneak up on people when they don't know you. And have a fleeting moment where you're hot for a minute. You do something positive. You do something great. But when people expect it of you, that was different. 
And that won't resonate with people who, who haven't done anything at a high level. With people who play sports and things like that at a semi-pressure level, you get that 100%. We know who's coming to the ball. We know who's hiding from it. Right? So self-esteem has everything to do with what you do and what you don't do. So I can't say that to people. I can't say your self-esteem, you, you, you. So those are the type of things that I have to put in general. Because we all got self-esteem issues. See, you, you start off as this clean slate, basically, right? Think about it like this. All these traumatic things that happen to you throughout childhood. And it may be a small thing. But remember, as a child, you're defenseless. You being lost somewhere is a traumatic experience. The next person may not perceive it that way. But once you've convinced yourself that it's traumatic, it's traumatic. If you think it's life and death within yourself, your body experiences that you went through a life or death experience. So we all have traumatic experiences coming up. We all have failures. But the problem is when you don't take action. You're not doing anything to balance it. So you have a lot of things that chip away at what you think about yourself. You may have moments when your confidence rise, but being it's your default is low self-esteem, you get knocked back down off that high horse, you're going to plummet even further. The higher you climb is the same distance you're going to fall back down. And you're not doing anything in most cases to balance it off. So if you're, I could do, I could have done that. When I do this, I'm going to do, I have the ability to. I could have became a football player. I could have, it doesn't matter. So you're not actually doing anything to balance off these losses you're taking in life. These things that make you second guess yourself throughout life. The natural stages you go through when growing up. You have awkward moments in transition from becoming The high school kid from middle school. Going to the places where you're younger. You're smaller. You're the biggest one. Then you're in college. Then you're the younger one again. And So all these ups and downs, up and down. What's sustaining your self-esteem? And the path you're taking is a path someone else laid out for you. So you're following order. You're in society's box typically. And you're following convention. So these aren't ideas you came up with. You think they are to an extent. But what differentiates you from other people who took the same path? You'll always second-guess yourself. So you're not replenishing all these traumatic experiences. You don't have great higher self-experiences to match. So naturally, life's going to chip away at your self-esteem. Relationship issues. That's why when you get older, you got the baggage from relationships. That's how you accumulated the baggage because you mismanaged. Why did you mismanage? Because you were mistaught. So when you get older, in order for you to get sharp, you have to first accept that you've been misled. So all the stuff you thought you knew, I knew that already. You didn't. How about you were wrong? That's why men don't want to accept new information, new intel. It makes them second guess what they think they know already. So if they have to question one thing, it's a domino effect. If I held that to be true and it's not, then that which pertains to it May not be true either. It can't be if the foundation of my logic is I know that already. 
Because I check everything that comes in as new intel against what I think I know already. So I dish it off. Nah, it ain't no good. It doesn't match what I know already. I know that already. I know that already. So you get all this new quality intel, but you don't accept it. Now back to the library. All these things you think you know already at a foundational level. You know enough to survive. You know enough to function. But that's where you hit the wall. What you know hardens up and that's where they get hard-headed from. You become the I know that already guy. So you have to keep your mind fluid. And how do you do that? How do you prevent apathy? And disenchantment from setting in. You expand your mind. And just walking through those aisles. You can't help but remind yourself of that. Why? Because all those books represent thoughts. Information. That you won't know. That you don't know. So those are all these places you can journey. All these thoughts you can have. All these connections your mind can make for you. All these subjects that can relate to a other. That you already kind of know. Things you're already good at. A subject you didn't think anything of will relate to that. That's called creating a path for yourself. You don't know your purpose. You don't know your path. You only know convention. Well, how can I be successful? How can I get my million if I went to school and I'm a robot and I do the same thing as other people were taught? How do I find my purpose? How do I find my own path? You can't make the associations between different topics, different areas of knowledge if you don't acquire them first. Something in that aisle may connect with something I do already, something I thought of, something I took in, retained and didn't realize it was valuable. Something in there may spark a whole idea, a whole path. That's how you find a path. That's how you find a purpose. You apply information to what you hold as sacred in your mind. As you grow as a person, you have an idea of who you are. First, you need self-esteem to understand your value. You're going to have to understand your value to truly understand your values. Because you don't know who you are. You don't know what you're trying to do. Everything's on a raggedy, shaky foundation. Right? So all that information in there, about 99% of it, you didn't know already. So if you're working at 1% capacity of what you could do as far as retaining and acquiring intel, 1%. What kind of results do you expect to get with that? How can you say you gave it a good, old-fashioned, all I have, if you leave 99% of the information on the table? Imagine if I give you a whole entire 100% of a task and you decide to do 1%. You just decided to do 1%. You can't tell me you tried your hardest. You can't tell yourself you tried your hardest. And that's one of the problems with your self-esteem. You got to lie to yourself all the time. It has to be somebody else's fault. You align yourself with people who you know will lay down and stop. So you got somebody to blame. People do that in relationships. 
You know your roof. You know what you're not going to do. And it happens to older people. This is going to cut off. I got more to go, but I got to cut it off because I'm going to cut off for the hour. Be kind. Be pleasant. Be great. Freeze this, freeze that.